Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week on Pop Days. We talk celebrity star signs, racism in the theatre community, and good old-fashioned PDA. Hi, I'm Jordan. I'm Charlie. And I'm Aurelia. And welcome to Pop Games, a pop culture podcast for postmodern queers. For postmodern queers! (laughs) How are you guys? How's lockdown? It's beautiful. I'm loving it. (laughs) Yeah, you are beautiful, Aurelia. Right now, your skin is glowing. Yeah. I did my skincare routine before coming on a podcast, and I find actually skincare is the one thing that I've not neglected going into lockdown. (laughs) I love that. Like, I've neglected friends, I've neglected family, my health, my sleep, but not my fucking skin. Oh, very that. I... I feel like my skin, I've suddenly yeah. become so aware of aging. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I won't have it. It's the one thing that I can control, right? Is your birthday coming up next month as well, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about it. <laughs> no, I'm actually excited to turn 27. I feel like that's that's my year. That's my Saturn return. Everything's going to fall apart. And I'm really glad that this podcast has come just in time so that we can document it. Saturn return. <laughs> I completely forgot to get co-star. Yeah. <laughs> no. Cancel me. You are. Are you even gay, Charlie? I'm starting to question it. Yeah, I guess I'm just such an Aries. I don't, I don't know. Is that a thing? <laughs> I guess so. I, actually, I only know about my star sign. Well, it makes total sense that you're an Aries because Aries and Libra are actually sister signs. And Jordan oh. and I are bo- both Libras. So oh, that's yeah. Why we yeah. all get along so well. Because yeah. Aries and Libra, they're six months apart, right? So they're on opposite ends of the like spectrum. Oh. oh, my God. Yeah. I'm literally writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's cool. <gasps> that's fucking beautiful. I do have good relationships, actually, with Libras in my life, the ones that I know of. That, that is true for me. And think of all the new Libras to come. <laughs> Is Libra a water sign? Mm-mm. It's an air sign. Air sign. Okay, cool. What are your other signs, Aurelia? Because I'm triple air, which means I'm fucked. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you really flaky and unreliable? Um, uh, Very rude. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Too real. Yeah. <laughs> Every day I'm trying to fight it. Every day. <laughs> I'm a Libra sun and rising Leo and Sagittarius moon. Nice. I love that for you. And I can't wait to find out what your other signs are, Charlie, next week. I feel like I'm going to get very into it. I get very swept up in like personality systems. Like I am so obsessed with Myers-Briggs. What's your Myers-Briggs? ENFP. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) I'm writing this down. Oh my (laughs) God. You said that like a fucking startup, bro. And like you're in a swivel chair and you're like ENFP, swivel, swivel. <laughs> What's yours, Jordan? I actually don't know. I've never done it. But I can't, like every time I talk about it, I want to do it. And then my brain makes me forget because I'm a triple air sign. I reckon yeah. you are an ENFP as well, Jordan. That's my yeah. guess. Or an INFP. What about you, Aurelia? I'm ENTJ. ENTJ. <gasps> Cool. Ah. They're good leaders and very, like, on top of their shit. If I find out that, like, ENFPs and INFPs are ugly, Charlie, I'll come <laughs> to you. <laughs> I reckon you're this. Yeah, I reckon you're the dumb one. <laughs> oh, my God, this reminds me. Okay, so my nan and I have a really weird relationship. 
I don't think she thinks it's weird, but I think it's weird. And that's the, that's an element of the weirdness. But she sent me a message on Facebook the other night. It was one of those like forwarded ones, like forward this to like X amount of people. And you won't get cursed. Exactly. But she never messages me. Like our previous messages are just me begging her to consider climate change. (laughs) (laughs) Please. But she never replies. She never messages me. She's never forwarded me one of those things before. But she sent me this one and it was like, it starts off with like an illustration of this like girl with a flower crown. And I was already like, you don't understand me. (laughs) It was like, she was beautiful. And I was like, oh, thanks, Nan. And then it moves on and then it goes... But not like those girls in the magazines. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then, not like other girls, Nan. <laughs> no. And it was like, she wasn't held down by anything as um, superfluous as looks. And I was like, I fucking am. Like, why are you calling me fugly, Nan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What a roast. Yeah, why is she reading you? It was such a subtle nig. And the best part was that she thought she was giving me, like, the nicest... <laughs> little message of this flower crown ugly bitch (laughs) can you forward it to us i absolutely will i have to i can't believe i haven't done it till now that's yeah i will oh my god what's grand star sign and when was she born november so she early november she's scorpio well she stings like one (laughs) (laughs) no rupaul is a, a scorpio and like there's this theory in the drag race subreddit that rue can't stand other scorpios because like he always has like very like conflicted relationships with those particular queens and Rue's really into star signs, so people think that, like, he's got this I am the only Scorpio sort of vibe. (laughs) Who are other Scorpio queens? I don't know off the top of my head, but it's just, like, queens that might have had, like, beef with him or got eliminated too early, that kind of stuff. So everyone's like, it's a conspiracy. Like Bendela. Yeah. Yeah, probably Scorpio. Do you ever look up celebrities and, like, get into this, like, click hole and then you look up their birthdays and their star signs? Or just me? Yes. (laughs) I don't actively do it, but if I see someone is an Aries and I like them, I do feel like, yeah, I'm like, I- I'll accept that. Like, I think Lady Gaga is an Aries and I'm just kind of like. <laughs> I will take this on. Yeah. I am very much someone who looks at all the things about, because Libra is supposed to be like very like welcoming, like really friendly, really charismatic. But I have, I don't, I genuinely don't know the negatives of Libra's because I'm just like, like, <laughs> oh my God. Are you meant to be balanced? <laughs> 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 this is this isn't balance this is um, i don't know <laughs> yeah it's indecisiveness and being pushover liars liars <laughs> wow brutal but true <laughs> red for absolute fill um i'm watching rupaul i don't know if i mentioned this last time but i am watching rupaul from like season five right. onwards i will eventually go back and i'm like in the middle of season 11 and i'm really loving brooklyn heights and silky nutmeg ganache <laughs> oh my god i couldn't stand silky <laughs> yeah. you guys don't like her i don't like that season no neither do i to be honest i felt like silky was a bully yeah when, and she was also just like inappropriate with miley remember when she like lifted miley up <laughs> very uncomfortable <laughs> i don't know have you guys listened to miley's new single midnight sky No, I haven't, but I've heard good things. It is really, really good. And more than just the single, the actual film clip that she's self-directed is beautiful and, like, really, like, awesome. Like, I'm totally into this new vibe. It's kind of like Dolly Parton meets the 21st century. It's really cool. You had me a Dolly Parton. Yeah. That's incredible. Fuck, I forget that Miley is only, like, a year older. She's you guys 93 babies as well? I'm 92. 95. Oh, my... Anyway, so I'm just going to end the call for Aurelia. (laughs) How do you report? (laughs) Zoom, cancel this girl. But Miley has done like has has had such a career. Like I mean, obviously she started as a child, but the fact that she's like, don't we all, Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> At one point, she was born. <laughs> the incredible thing about Miley is that she came to this planet from uh, a yeah. human. She's a hero. She was once a child. She's done so well. 
That whole family is wild. But she's like, she does consistently bring out bangers. And I think that people overlook her as like a, as a pop queen. I know that she's like, she, she had her years of 20 to 23 where we were like, oh, Miley. Yeah. Honestly, I had beef with Miley when she was going through that phase where she was being like really ratchet and like black, uh, like yes. trying yes. to be black. And like and she kind of commandeered twerking. Yeah. She like was twerking with her non-existent ass. And, you know, I'm fully with Nicki Minaj in what's good, Miley. What's good? What an incredible moment in television when she <laughs> when she turns to Miley. Like, she's not even, like, directing it out, which I would do because I'm a coward. But she, like, turns to Miley and lets her have it. And it's like, Mwah, it's so good. It is a recurring theme that I've seen discussed before about, like, pop divas that like for white singers that will have this period of appropriating black music or style in their film clips, but then they'll very quickly after that period and they get all the attention and excitement from it, they then just go back to doing like, you know, their folklore era. Exactly. When Malibu came out and it was all like soft, beachy, like with her like in a field full of daisies from memory. And it was such a contrast to like the wrecking ball stuff. Yeah. When white parents were like, I don't want my kids watching Miley Cyrus as she's a bad influence. <laughs> and then she went back to being like the wholesome like pop icon that you would let your 12 year old watch without a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it seems like tourism into black culture. It's like, Absolutely. I'm just here for a day. I want the attention that comes from it, but then I'm just going to completely distance myself from it once I've sort of used what I can from it. Even if. People are kind of looking at her in a negative light while she's going through that quote unquote hoe phase. Um, <laughs> and she comes out of her hoe phase and it's like she was just sowing her wild oats. I think that's a really good point as well, Charlie, of that like kind of like appropriation tourism as well yeah. to like get mm-hmm. the clout, get the attention and then run. Yeah, yeah. Because it would be different if they, like, it it would be bad in a different way. If they stuck with it and it's like, this is my new branding and they stayed with it, like, maybe you could kind of understand it. But the fact that it is just purely pick and choosy. Exactly. Like, Iggy Azalea is, like, someone who's consistently been appropriating black culture and I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? At least she's 100%. She's gone from Malambimbi to a fucking LA. <laughs> oh god, we stand continuity. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking wild. I guess that's like the whole point of like why cultural appropriation is so fucking shit because you can step in and step out when you need. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of chat around Ariana Grande blackfishing. Yeah. And her song, Seven Rings, I found out recently from TikTok, like I've told you before, guys, I graduated from the University of TikTok. (laughs) She actually only earns about 10% of her seven rings because most of the song's royalties goes to the Rogers and Hammerstein estate because she uses favorite things from Sound of Music. So 80% of the profit from seven rings (laughs) went to Rogers and Hammerstein's children and grandchildren. But there's also like this whole chat around her stealing the main inspiration or the main beat from princess nokia as well and like princess nokia i could be paraphrasing but i remember her tweeting like i don't even know what to do like like, ariana grande is so huge and princess nokia is massive in her own right but it's just a really fucked weird thing to do on top of her current existence and it's a shame because it is a bop (laughs) anyway we were talking about rupaul just before and we all wanted to do a quick shout out to to say rest in peace chi chi devane what an iconic queen i'm so upset by that news Mm. just last week she was posting on instagram from hospital being like you know i'm gonna keep fighting and yeah i i not in my dizziest daydreams that i think she would actually pass away so it just goes to show how much obviously she has been fighting and how much she's been going through so sad she's such a legend yeah her story was so captivating on on rupaul and her season as well and and her performances are iconic like the way that the way she would lip sync for her life Mm. (laughs) she was incredible and she like she talks about in her season came from like fucking like so dirt poor like so like pulled herself up she grew up in gangs you know there wasn't a great life ahead of her and she had to work her fucking ass off you know she had three jobs just to afford the materials to make her own outfits to even come on to drag race Mm -hmm. and like that is 
just such a credit to her because she fucking slayed and she was the heart, not just of that season, but she has that essence that, you know, RuPaul adores and that I think audiences adore as well, which is that story of like, you know, you come from nothing and you build a life for yourself. Mm, Mm. She just had that quality of instantly like pulling you in and making you like her. Yeah. And that's so important as an artist to have that, like being relatable yet funny and just like a showstopper. And she had all of that and she was only... 34, so young. What a star, what a star. Mm. Aurelia, bit of a gear change here. (laughs) Can you please give us an update on Britney's conservatorship? Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. So her conservatorship is to remain as is until 2021, so until February next year. Wow. With her dad or with another? So he stepped down due to health problems, and her lawyer is saying that she's opposed to having her dad step back into that role, and she's willing to actually fight him in court. Good. So that's good. And at the moment, she has a temporary conservator who's called Jodie Montgomery. What a fucking name. I don't know. I just trust her. Yeah, Yeah, right? And she doesn't want to perform anymore either. Wow. But her her dad is fighting with his lawyers to bring back his conservatorship. What a fucking dick. Oh, my God. Very interesting that she just doesn't want to perform anymore as well. Yeah, because on her Instagram, it definitely seems like she does enjoy those little... Yeah, she loves the little backbend dance. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you've had that kind of, like, intense public life like Britney. Like, I just want to retire with my squillions and, you know, chill out for once yeah she has so much money as well like that's it's not like she's retiring from like minimum wage like she's she could have retired when she was 25 she'll move into tiktok with her incredible videos and oh she's already there and she's making an impact yeah yeah (laughs) i saw that um tiktok has actually filed a suit against the trump administration for trump trying to get tiktok cancelled and i think it's mostly about like you're interfering with our attempts to sell the business i think tiktok is trying to be sold to microsoft yeah or twitter But it's mainly like you're interfering with the lives of millions of tweens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one 26-year-old in Melbourne. <laughs> I actually think there's so many old people on TikTok. Like, actually, like, 30s and 40s. Old people. <laughs> old, old. You know, like, every, every video I see and seems to either be, like, someone who's 12 or 45 to 60. Mm. Yeah. I saw this video There was, like, a lesbian and her 50s at least giving life advice while walking through the forest and she was like you don't know someone even when you've been with them for two to three years you just can never know anyone and i was like damn who hurt you sandra yes (laughs) sandra the forest lesbian yeah i love like wizened gays do you know what i mean like they're like Mm. i always have a moment during pride parades when there's like older lesbians and older like queers coming through that it just like I think it's so beautiful. I I love seeing like older butch women as well. Yes, butch queers. I just mm. bre- breaks my heart and then puts it back together again. I used to work at uh, an aquarium and I'd do like talks and stuff there. And after a talk, there was this like really old like tourist lesbian couple from America. They were wearing like matching like high waist like khaki shorts. <laughs> adorable it was beautiful one was really tall one was really short and i used to have this like really obnoxious because we had like gay day at the aquarium corporate gay day and they didn't spend any money on getting like a nice tasteful little badge they just had this like print out of all these like obnoxious huge rainbows and i i swear to god like the the badges they gave us were huge it was like the size of a, the bottom of a plant average plant pot oh. and so we just had these like like it looked like i was wearing a bra like <laughs> this huge rainbow thing anyway i just left it on me for like the entirety of my employment there and then after i did my talk these two like ancient lesbians were like we like your badge and then like walked away holding hands that's so cute i just got matching face mask for my girlfriend and i <laughs> yes oh they're nice yeah my friend made them and like now when i'm buying clothes and she's buying clothes we show them to each other and i'm like i'm gonna borrow that yes oh, isn't that the best part of gay dating and like being in a relationship yes mm-hmm. and all my head friends think it's weird no it's not weird i know do you have the same shoe size no it's 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 um very upsetting <laughs> kayla is like a size four and a half or five she literally buys children's shoes <laughs> Oh my god, that's so little. Yeah, so small, so small. <laughs> 
Are you guys the same shoe size? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. Oh, I can only dream of that paradise. <laughs> my boyfriend and I are the same size, but I'm very, very skinny. And so, like, I can always wear my boyfriend's clothes. And I'm like, look, at like, it's all comfy and, like... <laughs> Oversized? Yeah, he can't wear any of mine. So he's just like, this is not a fair. <laughs> That's always the fucking worst. Like, I've come a long way in, like, my body-loving movement in my own brain, but it's always the fucking pits when someone borrows something and it's like, they're swimming in it, and you're yeah. like, That's tight squeeze for me. <laughs> <laughs> they're wearing it as, like, a dress, and you're like, That's a crop top. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I need a belt for this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I want to talk about Rob Guest. Is that okay? Yes, I've been so interested to hear your take on this, Jordan, because, like, I'm kind of, like, one foot in, one foot out of the music theatre scene. Yeah, can you explain, like, what it, how it is and how it works as well? I I will. So, uh, (laughs) here we go. Am I essay prepared for the day? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so basically I studied music theater at uni. So most of my current friend group is from that world or have left and we're like Charlie, we're one toe in, but most of us out. And then when something like this happens, I put my whole head back into that pie. I'm like, (laughs) and I'm constantly calling it our industry. I love to claim it when I need it. Anyway, but there's this huge scholarship that's been around for a few years called the Rob Guest Endowment. Rob Guest was a really phenomenal performer. He's just like iconic. He's played the Phantom. He was, from all accounts, a really nice guy. And then he died really suddenly in his. He he wasn't he wasn't super old. He was thirty. No. <laughs> According to Aurelia. Oh my God! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> We get it, Aurelia. You're fucking beautiful. <laughs> His um, partner at the time, or I think wife, maybe, I don't know. Uh, she is a, the biggest music director in Australia, I think. Like, like she's she is the, like, conductor, basically, of the band for the biggest shows. Any massive show, this chick is there. And she's really lovely. And I think there are a few other producers and other benefactors that were like, we'll call this a Rob Guest Endowment. It's a pool of money that we can just give to a performer. Okay, so that's the backstory of what it is. Every year around August, everyone under 30 in music theatre. Anyone young. Anyone young. You audition, you get into the top 30, then you have to fly to Sydney. Is it like being signed? Like what what do you get from it? You get this huge sum of money. It used to be $25,000. Now it's $50,000 for the final winner. Oh, my God. And do runners-up get anything? Yeah, everyone in the final four gets 1500 and I think that there's a special award that is technically the runners-up, but they give it a different name, and that's five grand. Because it's through the Australian Arts Foundation and because of the requirements of the award, you actually cannot use that money to produce your own show. So... I got into the top 30 a couple of years ago. Like, not a big deal. Oh, my God. You were famous. Thank you. But I didn't get into the top four at all. But you did have to write, like, your how you would spend the money as part of the process. And I was like, well, I would put it towards a comedy festival show. And then I was told, no, you can't. So, like, even if I were to get, like, the $25,000, I couldn't spend $500 on producing an original work. I couldn't do any of that. I had to be spending it on either singing, dancing, or acting. So, lessons and stuff? Lessons and stuff. Oh, lame. You want to generate something from the award? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's because, because Gordon Frost, this producer, wants to create, like, the new leads and, they, and he wants um, publicity around these leads. He usually sort of, I mean... I cannot confirm, don't come for me, Gordon Frost, but <laughs> it, it became very clear after a couple of years that he was handpicking people that he wanted to have as understudies I see. in musicals when they tour. Nepotism. Nepotism. Anyway, so every year, unsurprisingly, given the situation with Australian arts and music theatre in general, the top 30 are predominantly white. Someone actually broke down that in the history of the award, so it's been happening since 2009, 2010, out of all the top 30, less than 5% have been people of colour, which is... Bleak. Bleak. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting considering we've had Aladdin, we've had Book of Mormon, we're about to have Hamilton, we've had Hairspray, like all these shows that rely on people of colour and of this, like an incredible standard of performers in the country who exist. It, it's always been like a thing that as soon as the list comes out, we're like, oh, here we go, another 
round of white people. Not only was the entire list white, but then when everyone was talking about this, the, the actual endowment came out with a response and the statement wasn't right. <gasps> yeah, I saw I saw the photo, like a few people who I didn't even know went into musical theatre. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, We come out, honey. We're like, oh. <laughs> Coming out of the woodworks. And yes. they're like, this is not good. <laughs> But yeah, I saw it and I was shocked because it's 2020 and I just would have expected better. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, it's based on merit. Yeah. And that just doesn't seem like the right thing to say. Their response was, we did not consider race. And someone's like, you're damn right. You did not consider race. (laughs) That's not a positive. It's very like 1995 colorblind. Like I don't see color. I think you fucking do. I think you just see white. (laughs) It also brought up, you know, incredible people who work in the industry or who are industry adjacent are sharing their stories, sharing their, their trauma of being involved in the arts and a lot of performers are getting very defensive about the industry that they work in and about one of the finalists released a statement all the finalists released statements and Rob Guest was silent for like 14 hours not Rob Guest himself uh, the the endowment um, was silent and a lot of them were making really eloquent points this one person made an apology that was a little all lives mattery and her signing off comment was something about like a quiet river runs deep like is that like oklahoma or something i fucking do not know (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i call bullshit because (laughs) a quiet river runs deep i think people who are actively anti-racist and actively making industries more inclusive speak out about it because that's part of the work yeah if you're doing anti-racism work that's related to your personal opinions sure be quiet about that and like take your time but when you're actually trying to dismantle a system you can't be just quietly doing that because how are you doing the work if you're not calling out people who aren't doing the right thing 100 percent I don't know this person, but she ain't woke. <laughs> no, I call I call bullshit as well. But um, also citing, which I think is very interesting because I did have a couple conversations with friends about this of being like, oh, but what about the mental health of the people on that list? And uh, yeah, and I was like, that's not the fucking tech. What about like all the like people of color who consistently have to audition for racist fucking musicals? Yeah, what about the mental health of up and coming performers of color who are told basically like we, you're just not considered like you're not in the game that's fucked that's the bigger issue exactly i don't think like as a person of color whenever i see something like that i don't and i'm obviously not a musical theater but i think there's like other instances where there's been people selected and it's just a list of white faces i don't look at those faces and hate them i don't think oh my god fuck you john white for getting the spot (laughs) that i should have had or like whatever their generic name is it's the, the people who are in power of giving those spots out and that system that we criticize. It's not the individual performer. And in fact, when white people do point out that their feelings are hurt, that's just another thing of like white fragility of making your personal feelings more important than the system that oppresses all people of color that are never getting those chances of even getting a foot in the door or a seat at that table. Absolutely. Exactly. I've literally heard people be like, oh, it's so hard being white in this industry right now. And that is <laughs> a complete misunderstanding of history. But it also creates this culture where if there is a person of color or an indigenous performer, everybody's like, oh, it must be so easy for you because you can just walk into a room because casting agents are desperate for for diversity, which isn't true. Casting agents aren't desperate. Casting agents aren't out there working to find out who the new talent is. So it's it's this thing where it's like burn it all down and start again. Like <laughs> as you are right, Jordan, that casting directors aren't working hard enough at all. But I don't think it just falls to casting directors because if you are only casting for shows that are these huge Broadway models, mm. if we're putting on another fucking production of Frozen, like do we really need that in this country? <laughs> like, isn't it better to generate new stuff? And if the award, like you said, it's not for generating new work, it's only for what's there currently. Well, then that is perpetuating this system. It's saying you. Can cannot break the mold you have to stick to what's there and try and fill those particular niches for yourself you can't actually as a creative open it up make something new Mm, absolutely and there was an interesting post i saw that was like you know what they could have said is 
we didn't receive a, a pool of applicants and it was really diverse this year. So we're expanding our search and we're encouraging all people of different backgrounds to apply. Fair enough, if they did actually just have, I don't know, 100 people apply and 99 of them were white, then I don't know, then maybe they, they really can't get a bucket that's representative enough. But mm. I don't think that's happening in the first place. I don't think the numbers are that skewed towards no. whiteness. Yeah. And also look at why it's only white people applying. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. There's talk of boycotting. There's talk of, because, uh, like, who wants to wear that crown? Who wants, <laughs> <laughs> really? He's yeah. like, mm, I got it in 2020. And also the other thing is like the industry of music theater in Australia is so fucking bleak. It's like, what do you like boycott? What have you, what are you fighting for? Another tour of Shrek? Shrek. Shrek. Yes. Shrek. <laughs> Literally. All right. Let's not say things we regret. <laughs> Shrek the musical should have won the Tony. Should have won the Tony. Ah. Oh my God. I saw your tweet, Jordan, about next to normal, like yeah. should have won for whatever year it was. Was it 2008? 11? It was 2009, I think. 2009. Yeah. And I, I looked up what was nominated that year and I saw Shrek there and I was like, why are you talking about Next to Normal when you should be talking about Shrek? <laughs> Justice for Shrek. I am just, I'm just waiting for a white person to come out and say, actually, I was in Shrek. <laughs> True. <laughs> I support people of all colours. Yeah. <laughs> we need more green actors. Like. We are all ogres, guys. We are one ogre. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, fuck. On a totally different note, Aurelia, you got a message this week to be a tampon influencer. Is that right? That's right. They've already sent them to my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really sweet. They're like organic tampons and I was like, nice. And they were like, please let us know a review. Like they're not paying me or anything. They just sent me some free tampons. Yeah, nice. And then they were like, how, how did you find them? And I was like, I won't get to try them for a few more weeks, but I'll let you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> That's so funny. Imagine if they were like, why? Why can't you try them now? <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interesting story about tampons where the first woman to go to space, she was going for six days and NASA gave her a hundred tampons. Oh my God. That is... That is actually so funny. Do things work differently in space, maybe? Like heavy flow. Periods are related to the moon, I'm told. That's true. So maybe by being in orbit, you know. <laughs> the closer to the moon, the bigger the flow. <laughs> Fuck. So what else do you Like, you're just going to wait and see? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even really use tampons. I have a, a pussy cup, a, pu- a keep cup. <laughs> <laughs> The delivery of that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, what's it called? A moon cup, if you mm. want. Yeah. Did you guys say that Emma Holland did a, like, actual, like, she's the sort of... The face of moon cups? Yes. She did, like, a proper, like, oh. ad for them. Oh, my God, yes. I did see that. That was, that was nice. Yeah, get it. Get the gig. Have Have any of you ever been, like, insta-DM'd by brands? Absolutely not. <laughs> I really hate them because every time... Um, it's like message us or then they message you, but then you look at their profile and it's like, to become an ambassador, all you get is like a 10% discount code. This is some MLM bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It totally is. It's like a pyramid scheme. What's MLM? Like multi-level marketing. Oh, because MLM is also the acronym for men who love men. I mean, that too. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And I was confused. I was like, you're, you're like this scammy thing. MLM do not exist. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's that kind of like Arbon, don't at me Arbon thing. The companies are like, you run your own business. You're a business boss, bitch. Like here, buy $3,000 worth of product. And then what you need to do is get people below you and they become your like upline. I once got recruited for <gasps> one of those things. So I was working in a suit store and it was commission-based. And then this guy was like wasting my time, not buying anything, but I still gave him the celebrity treatment because that's how you get that commission. And then he like took down the store phone number and kept calling me. And I was like, okay, whatever, I'll go. And it was, I think, Amway. <gasps> so I went to one of their things and they're like, these are just things you buy anyways. And then people would just buy them after listening to this guy, like give their marketing spiel. So interesting. I've just started watching On Becoming a God in Central Florida starring Kirsten Dunst. And the whole plot is basically that her husband is like wrapped up in this MLM and he keeps basically the whole episode he's just threatening to quit his job to be a part of this MLM and he has this guy like your suit shop man Mm -hmm. who's like yeah man like you're a star like you don't want to go to your J-O-B like fuck that like (laughs) it's very good and Kirsten Dunst is uh the greatest actor of our time anyway that's all I came here to say (laughs) I am so interested in like just anything kind of like cultish like the the mentality and the psychology of how it all works is so intriguing to me I um, found out recently, you know, like the phrase drink, drinking the Kool-Aid and how it comes from the Jonestown massacre, how yeah. they all committed suicide. So apparently Mr. Jones, he used to do fake mass suicides all the time. Like literally like he'd be like, drink this and they'd be like, it's all poison. And then he would like, it was a test to see who was loyal and who wasn't. Oh my God. What a kink. Right? <laughs> So, like, on day of, he was like, it's poison. Everyone was like, okay, here we fucking go, John. And that's why they were, like, giving it to their kids because they're like, whatever. Like, yes, we follow you. We're loyal. And then it actually was poison. It's crazy to me the idea that, like, we're in this sort of, like, you know, 2000s now, but, like, poisoning is still a thing. It's, like, that's so Shakespearean. Yeah. The other week a Russian official got poisoned and he was flown to Germany in order to get treatment after Russia initially blocked him leaving. (gasps) Did he survive? I I think so. I'm pretty sure. Like, that was yesterday that I read about it. So unless he's died overnight. (laughs) In which case, a rest in peace, Russian official. I'm I'm sorry, German doctors couldn't save you. (laughs) Sounds like something from Killing Eve. Oh my God, it does. (laughs) What if he just got the new coronavirus vaccine that that Putin is pushing out after like two months of testing? Uh, Oh my God. (laughs) I am in no way anti-vax, but I think I'm about to become anti-vax with how quickly they're pushing this they're like like, it's fine just go for it i'm like i don't know it's bright blue (laughs) just gatorade (laughs) have you guys had the swab no i've had it three times same yeah hanos does it ever come back positive have you had corona no (laughs) don't start this fucking oh my god (laughs) me a campaign oh my god jordan i would never justice (laughs) for the people who have covid truly they've been i'm like so like i can't wait for the royal commission into like how publicizing covid positive tests (laughs) fucked with people because it's so like it's vicious Mm. I heard someone at work saying she wanted to go get tested just to, she needed to like see her grandma at some point And she wanted to make sure before she did that, that she got tested. And she was saying like, oh, and I think finally, I'm so relieved. I was about to get this test. Like, I think they're finally coming out with the saliva method. And I was like, couldn't they have fucking come out with that like, before <laughs> I had my three fucking tests? Like, I almost at this point don't want them to come up with a better method because it's like. Yeah. <laughs> you want us to suffer through this as well. Yeah. <laughs> If we had to do it. Yeah, I've had the test a couple times and I was surprised by the throat swab because I haven't had something shoved down my throat in a little while. I I quite liked it. I didn't really notice anything. It's fucking fine. I wanted to hit that little dangly bit right at the back of my throat. Yeah. Yes, Cardi. That's my favorite lyric. It's so fucking funny. The way that Cardi says hook, I don't know, the way she hits her K when she's talking about having a hook in the dick that she is consuming, it's so beautiful. I fucking, that song, like, wap. Oh, have you seen the video clip, Charlie? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a feast. I love it. 
It's phenomenal. Have you guys seen um, that conservative dude, Ben Shapiro, unpacking the lyrics? About, yeah, how his wife. <laughs> it's thrush. <laughs> yeah. He thinks that a pussy should be dry when having sex. Damn. Did you see Cardi <laughs> explaining why people have dry pussies? Yes. I, I think I – did you share yes. that? Oh, I, oh, my God. I sent yeah, it to you. Yeah, you sent it to thing. us. Yeah. <laughs> like they dehydrated. It's so good. And she talks about pH levels as well. She was like – That's right. If, if you have a dirty dick and you're sucking on that and then you're kissing and then he comes back to like this. Is- <laughs> I, I loved how it was like her like while walking. Like it was sort of like she'd been caught in a moment. She had an umbrella. She's like, oh, while I'm here, I'm going to tell you about – see pH levels. It's just like incredible. Oh my God. She's the modern day Mary Poppins saving us all. Speaking of Mary Poppins, did you guys see that there was a community production of Mamma Mia that had to be shut down because they had 20 cases of COVID (laughs) and everyone's like, the real virus is community theatre. Yeah. Was that in Australia or was that in the US? Oh, uh, it has to be the US. It I mean, I don't, be, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any functioning theatres. Community theatres right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, truly, the, the, the biggest plague was when um, James Bond sang SOS. <laughs> um, Aurelia, how do you feel about sharing your birthday weekend, your girlfriend's birthday weekend stories? I would love to share that with you. We had a beautiful trip. <laughs> To where? (laughs) Dalesford? Tell us. To the shop? (laughs) Uh, So I prepared all the stuff prior. So we were going to take acid. So I bought uh, Gatorade, coconut water, just so we'd stay hydrated because it's you can kind of go into a state where you're not really hungry. So we weren't really hungry during the day. It was a beautiful sunny day. We're sitting in my backyard and we're just doing like art. And it was her first time taking uh, acid. And she was like, I'm not feeling anything. And I was like, okay, let's just wait an hour. And then an hour later, she was like feeling really giddy and happy. And we're like just laughing. And then it really hit us. And the visual effects were just beautiful. Like the sun on the leaves were like dancing. And she was working on this. Like she's quite good with like artsy stuff, as you can see from like the podcast. Yeah, a beautiful artwork. Yeah, she's like really good at that, but I'm not. So I just had these little, what do you call these cards? Cue cards. So yeah, I just took cue cards and I painted on them like words that would just come to my mind. Like pussy, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> just but little I, words. Just little yeah, yeah. words. And I'd write them in like nice cursive. And then she spent like four hours painting a little thing. It was really happy and really cute. So what words did you end up with when you came out of it and you looked back at all the words? You just wrote cunt on like 50 <laughs> different cue cards. <laughs> just over the um, walls, everything. <laughs> Eventually, I started getting into fruits. So I wrote down all the fruits, like peaches, plums. And like I'd have like plum in purple and peach and orange and cherry oh, and red. Wow. You know, that's just what I did for four hours. And my, my girlfriend freaked out a little bit because it can be a little bit scary when you're like in your mind a lot. Mm. So I had to look after her while I was off my face. Blind leading the blind, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was like a little trip because her horoscope said that she should go away on the 15th or 16th of August, but because we couldn't, that was our interpretation of going away. That was your trip. That the horoscope encouraged this, Yeah, what you're it, saying. It said go on a trip on that weekend, it's going to be really good, um, <laughs> and we followed. That mm-hmm. sounds beautiful. I'm so glad that it was a really nice day because I haven't actually, I haven't taken acid before, and I imagine that like if it was a weekend like this weekend trash it would be Mm -hmm. so scary you need nice weather so you can like sit outside but in in your garden or your front yard if you have one don't do not leave your house (laughs) i would not recommend I've never taken anything, to be honest. And like, I'm so intrigued and like, I'm definitely like tempted, but I just, I feel like, cause I'm such an anxious person and I, I don't know. I worry that it wouldn't be good for me. Like, do you guys experience that at all or is it more easygoing than I'm imagining? I bliss out when I'm smoking weed, but I also green out very quickly. Like I have a low tolerance for like suddenly feeling nauseous, but that's usually when it's mixed with tobacco. If it's just like clean, then I'm fine. My girlfriend is a super anxious person who hadn't smoked smoking. (laughs) 
fuck, it's been a long <laughs> stage four. Hadn't smoked weed until we went to Amsterdam. And when we were there, she was like, I think this is it for me. I think this is perfect. Because she was like so fun. And then I would like maybe freak out or like start to feel really nauseous and be like, I just need to lie down for like four or five hours. Whereas she was like, I'm my best self. <laughs> I'm flourishing. But MDMA is a completely different thing. I'm I'm already like 100% most of the time, especially if it's like a big night. So I have to be careful with dosing for myself because if I go too hard, then I will end up jumping in a pool fully clothed and trying to hook up with someone's uh, brother. So <laughs> That sounds like a fun story, Jordan. Yes, thank I love you. That. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I took MDMA, um, Beyonce's Beyonce visual album just came out and I just kept singing the only lyric that I knew, which was, I woke up like this and I just kept saying it. <laughs> It had literally come out like the day before and then that's the thing that stuck and I lost a lot of friends that night. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. They weren't feeling the Beyonce fan. Oh, no. my God. Now, for me, um, I definitely, going into lockdown, have experimented more with everything than I ever before. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, any concern about, like, naturally being anxious or anything like that. So I'd definitely say start easy. Mm. But also dating me, my girlfriend really wasn't into trying out recreational drugs and she was very worried about being anxious, but it actually ended up being fine because I think, first of all, I put a lot of work into like staying calm <laughs> yeah, and feeling, feeling safe. Mm. Because in the end, even when you're tripping out of your mind, you're still at home. You're just doing arts and crafts. Drawing cunt a hundred times on a palm card. <laughs> exactly. And that's safe. And that's, that's safe. <laughs> that's completely safe and legal yeah <laughs> yeah stop trying to make us not write card on a palm card <laughs> i think the environment plays a big part if you're just if like that's why people have so many like bad experiences and also like don't take drugs if you don't want to take drugs that's on mm-hmm. you that's your decision but a lot of people will have a negative experience because they're taking it because they feel like they need to. And I think Mm. that's when you're going to have a bad trip, a bad high. That's when you're going to have a really anxious riddle night. Whereas if you're like with people that you can rely on, or if you're in an environment um, where you feel like someone's going to pick up the pieces, then (laughs) yeah, Um, like the comedy hub, then you will (laughs) (laughs) like Max Watts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) During comedy festival. Oh my God. There was so much cocaine going around <laughs> at Max Watts. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is not LA. Like, we are Melbourne, all right? I couldn't believe that these people could afford it. Yeah. It got offered to me by, like, four different people. I was like... Uh. Smacked. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I didn't know they were this generous. No one yeah. gave me anything. Yeah, maybe I just have better friends. Wow. Oh my God, you probably do. Yeah. Who are your friends? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you their names, the list of <laughs> generous cocaine dispensers at the Melbourne Comedy Festival after party. Next year we just see like Aurelia like hovering around like Luke McGregor, right. who absolutely would not be one of those people <laughs> It's fun to imagine. <laughs> Actually, it's funny that we're talking about the comedy festival after party because I just put up that photo of you and me, Aurelia. Yeah, that was so nostalgic. Yeah. Mm. And we slayed that theme. I feel like we were part of the only people that actually got into the theme. What even was the theme? It was Studio 54. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys were the only ones. <laughs> it was like us and that unicorn that was on the dance floor. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, my God. And also there were some people in roller skates. Do you remember that? Yeah. They were like hot and like. Were they cool. serving or were they other comedians? They were, I think, comedy festival staff, like venue oh. staff. Good on him. Yeah. That was such a fucking fun night. That was one of the only nights that I, you know, as I said, I don't really, I'm not like a big sort of drug person and like, I don't even drink that much, but when I do drink, I tend to go hard. And that was one of those nights. And I remember <laughs> coming home at 5am in the Uber and cause my boyfriend like came for a little bit and then went home. And so I was coming back by myself and I was so fucking drunk and I was about to throw up in the back of the Uber and I was just like, get home, just get home, just get home. And I was, it was like down to the minute, like I'm pulling into my street and I'm like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. (laughs) So like, as soon as I like got that, I like stopped, dropped and rolled out the door, like just sort of like ran in the front door. Like as soon as I got the keys in, I'm just like shoving that shit open. And then I just yes. immediately, not even the bathroom with it, where the, cause we have like a bathroom with like the shower. And then we have like the bathroom with the toilet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time to get to the bathroom with the toilet. I could only make it to the bathroom just with like the bath and the sink. 
So I'm just like running in there and just like loudly hurling as my boyfriend is like, ah! <laughs> have a good night, baby. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm never doing comedy again. <laughs> It's so funny when you're like in that mode where you're like, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah. I gotta get home. Or like, even, even when you're like, you reach a point and you're just exhausted and you're like, the decision to go home is, I never debate it. Like, I'm never like, I don't know. That's like not, not very Libra of me, but like the second <laughs> that I'm like, I'm ready to go home, I'm out of there. Like, yeah, I will Irish goodbye. I don't say goodbye to anyone. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so glad you made it to at least some bathroom, Charlie. That's yeah, well done. I can't wait for next year's comedy festival. Oh, and... we're gonna go hard. Oh, it's so good. Maybe, maybe I will finally take the cocaine offered to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we will see. Um, should we do uh, queer and a? Yes, that yes. sounds like a great idea. Okay, um, we've got one here from James from Jollymont, who says. I've been with my boyfriend two years and I love him dearly, but I still get uncomfortable when he holds my hand or kisses me in public. Am I overthinking it? Oh, God. You're not into PDA? Is it something you generally feel uncomfortable with kissing people in general? For this guy, because it's now two years, it's probably to do with, I mean, I'm projecting here, but for me, like, I'm kind of like that. And I have to consciously keep tabs on myself about like making sure that I'm not inhibiting affection between me and my boyfriend out in public, but it still is a factor. Um, Mm. just in terms of like homophobia, I, I I can't unthink it a lot of the time because all it takes is that one person in a hundred who is going to react aggressively or, you know, God forbid violently. And yeah, yeah. It's really hard. I was never a fan of PDA in general. Like I, holding hands is obviously fine and like hugging and stuff like that. But, um, I would, I I was never comfortable with like kissing in public and stuff like that, but it is definitely like tenfold in a queer relationship. Like just in terms of an awareness of people's gays and, um, not gay people, people's gays. (laughs) Um, especially in like a relationship with two cisgendered women, the, the male gaze is very scary too. Cause it's just like sexualizing the relationship. And then what is again, like where the violence that can arise from that too, which is Mm -hmm. scary. And on my mind, I think it's, yeah, I think you're right, Charlie. It's like hard to, to fight that inner homophobia, like internalized Mm -hmm. homophobia and like constantly checking yourself around other people like I was out of town with Kayla once and then we were just walking around Coles with our hands held and then I was like oh this is such a fucked thought but I was like oh I haven't looked up how this electorate voted during the plebiscite (laughs) you know like oh I haven't actually like yeah but it's understandable I I think that way as well and like because I'm really affectionate with Josh privately you know and I would love to be able to be like that in public and I have definitely like over the years kind of like pushed myself to lean more and more into it but the two battles is that even if I completely absolve myself of my internalized homophobia as you said that still doesn't change externalized homophobia from other people. Do you find that for you it changes as well kind of based on which area you are because I'm in Fitzroy and when we go to the supermarket or for walks or whatever we always hold hands and we're always like affectionate towards each other not in like tongue kissing in the biscuit aisle. (laughs) 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 Because like I think that's just not (laughs) me in general like I don't think that's Mm. like something I like but we're like affectionate around each other but um there's been like a time I think when I was seeing someone kind of more casually and we were in Footscray and I was going to like an African hair store to buy like beauty supplies for my braids and stuff and as soon as we walked through the doors I didn't want to hold her hand I just like let go of her hand but also because I was browsing but then after I was thinking about why I did that was because I knew that people working in the store probably wouldn't be progressive towards that and I didn't want to kind of offend them and I hated myself for worrying about offending a store owner rather than like being with the person I was with it's tough when we have to do that yeah because especially if you're aware of something or if your brain has made you aware of something that your partner isn't it's just these like these small rejections as well yeah (laughs) not in obviously like you have a conversation afterwards and stuff like that but it is it requires this like dual sense of awareness that i don't think het couples have or need 
I mean, just look at, you know, straight sexuality plastered, you know, willy-nilly across our televisions, you know, with stuff like The Bachelor. And, you know, this kind of overt sexuality is, like, praised Mm -hmm. and celebrated and adored and that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's still the queer community who are, you know, tentatively having to kind of keep their wits about them. Like, it's a constant vigilance. Mm. So to James, I would say you're not overthinking it, and I definitely 100% relate. But I, I, I do think as much as you can try and work on your own internalized homophobia because you you can't you can't predict what someone else is going to be doing mm-hmm. and that's always going to be a part of your makeup that you're sort of switched on to thinking about that but you can at least within your own relationship make sure that you're checking in with each other and keeping that affection up and if you're thinking of being more publicly affectionate just start small just hold hands and you don't need to hold hands every second that you're outside together just do it in like an area where you feel like people will be supportive and yeah. from there you can like build on your your confidence on like not caring about what other people think. And take the opportunities that you can. Like you're right about the environments, Aurelia, because there are certain times, you know, like if I'm out at the theatre, like I sort of assume that it's probably a queer progressive crowd. So I definitely like lean into holding my boyfriend's hand and that kind of stuff. So like there are places and times where you, you're definitely going to be around your kin and enjoy them. Mm. Speaking of The Bachelor, actually, now that I mention <laughs> it, um, I, I heard the funniest thing. Have you guys heard that the new Bachelorette that is happening after this season of The Bachelor is two sisters that are both going to be The Bachelorette? Twins? No, it's, um, if you guys watched la- uh, last season, it's um, Ellie from the country. She's like, she's got like the nose ring. She's like the country quirky girl. Yeah. She was like a fan favorite. She's one of The Bachelorettes and her sister is also in it as well. And to me, this is the most straight nonsense I have ever heard. Oh, my God. No. No. And get this, both both the sisters are dating the same men. It's the same pool of men. It's the same pool oh of men. Oh, my God. Isn't this that is fucked? This is fucked. This is Pornhub shit. Yes, yeah. this is like incest. This is twin incest shit. Oh, my God. Oh Apparently, my God. they did a, a sister thing in New Zealand. Some um, Someone was telling me, and it worked. Um, and so they're trying this model of, like, having two bachelorettes in Australia. But, oh, my God. But it makes sense because there's, like, not that many people in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, population of 12. So you Yeah, know. you know, they, like, have a smaller pool. But <laughs> I would just... No. That would never happen. They would never do that with two male bachelors. We just love to see women compete as much as possible. Exactly. Like, (laughs) that's so fucked. Oh my God. And can, I can already like imagine the like, the male banter going on about like, which sister do you want? It just makes me sick. I can't, I'll be watching, but you know, I'll hate it. And I also think the guys will be like making alliances. I can see the guys making alliances and being like, yeah, I want this one as my brother in law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh my god, that's such a good point because even theoretically, if they both find love from this show, that future partner is gonna have always been a, an ex of your sister. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Uh, nah, I could not. I mean, I have two brothers, so that would be a different show. But <laughs> <laughs> I could not. I could not do that. No. Are your siblings straight? And do you have siblings, Aurelia? No. Only child. Mm. My siblings are straight, from what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested Even. because both me and my boyfriend have gay sisters. And Love that. I definitely think that it runs in families because <laughs> it, it's also funny because we both have straight brothers but gay sisters. So we're the only people in both of our families that are attracted to men. <laughs> <laughs> like my brother and my sister are bringing home women. Yes. <laughs> and oh, so- it's so good. It's just you and mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck i love that no i couldn't i could not imagine and i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy because i also think that like sister relationships are very complicated this is as an outsider but like sister sister uh, well for sister sister great band sister two sister um (laughs) sister sister relationships are rife with like a weird competitiveness and like a genetics competitiveness as well that like is put on them by like society as well which is what like you said to charlie of being like you can imagine them comparing yeah. yeah. Let's have faith. I'm sure the executive producers of the morally finite The Bachelor are going to handle it wonderfully. Yeah. I think if we've learned anything from this podcast is that we can trust the Australian media landscape. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, 
I am going to go and make myself a hot chocolate. Uh, I'm going to do the exact same thing. That sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah, I need it. What are you going to do, really? Are you going to have hot chocolate? I don't have hot chocolate. I might have a Milo. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure that you sign up for CoStar by next time, Charlie. Yes, I'm going to do yes. it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners, I'm so fucking sorry. It's me already. Fuck. <laughs> All right, we'll chat with you guys next week. See ya. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.